enough, another, another one of our young people today, a couple of them actually this week, with Alex and Ed's wedding. So, finally, we're done with weddings for a little bit. Unless somebody meets somebody today and decides to propose to them, we should be okay for a while. <laughs> if you know anything about weddings, you know that they're headaches. It's a lot of work. There's a, there's, a, there's a few brewing in the room, I think. A few. A few weddings getting stirred up for the future here. Are you blessed today? Yeah. You come to the end of the day quite often and you realize, boy, do I need God. Right? When the questions seem unanswered, when there are all kinds of things happening, you just... God puts you in a position where you have no choice but to trust him. That's where he wants you. I was making some food the other day, and I had a pan on the stove, and I had put some olive oil in it. I didn't realize how long it had been sitting there, so I went over to take the vegetables that I cut and put them in there, and I had washed them. If you know anything about grease and water, they don't do well together. I covered a couple scars, had five like blisters on my hand. And so every time I put my hand in my pocket, it reopened the wounds. My wife just saw it this morning. And it's not the age spots, I have those too. <laughs> Josiah reminds me of that. He says, Dad, look at all the age spots, you know? There are things that happen in life so unexpectedly and it just leaves you hanging. Leaves you like, I don't know what to do, Lord. I honestly don't know what to do. I just got burned so bad. And the, the wounds tend to stay open for a while. And then you'll think you're doing okay, but then the wounds get opened again. You'll put your hand in your pocket to reach to get something and, and the wound opens up again. And it's like you have to relive that. And no matter how long you've been a Christian, it still seems like those things happen. It's like it's always a part of the maturing process. I actually was crying at the counter for about an hour last night. Josiah and I went to a movie. We come home and I just sat there crying. I think part of it was just my age and having been through the valley of the shadow of death with so many people, so many highs and so many lows, so many people in our world that are not in our world, so many people that have been mean and very hateful to us and think that we're made of steel, and we're not. We're just like everybody else. And you'll think you have victory over something, you'll think that that issue is over in the church, and then it reopens the wound again, somehow gets reopened, and we have to live through it. And as I was sitting there praying and crying, my wife came in the kitchen and said, well, why are you crying? It's difficult to explain sometimes. But I honestly think that God makes us go through things so that can we, we can relate to the person who has walked in the building this morning that is going through something. 
they don't understand. They can't really sing the song. When the questions don't have answers, when the fear inside of something is so great and you really don't have the answers, you oftentimes don't know where to turn. We've been talking about growing up and how do you get grown up? And I was, I've never, to my knowledge, I cannot remember since we moved in here nine months ago, I cannot remember ever sitting in the lobby before a morning service. And we had praise band practice yesterday, which prepped us for today. And we, we didn't need to practice as long today. And so uh, we were free by, by quarter till 10. So I went out and I saw Karen and Rick Foote and Bentley and Caitlin sitting out there. So I just went and sat down by them and began talking. And I looked across the parking lot and I, I saw different people coming in. And there are new people here today. And I thought to myself, we're always blessed to have visitors. People that come out of nowhere, you, you never know what they're going through. And so I saw this guy coming and I thought, oh, my son Dan is coming today. Because he's been so off and on and we prayed about it so much. And I thought, Dan is coming today. And, and it, I looked and realized, I don't think that's Dan. And, and Caitlin foot turned around and, and she saw the person and she said, I think that's Mike Ibershoff. I said, Mike Ebershoff? He hasn't been in my world for a long time. And I, I thought, no, that's not him. I looked a little closer, and sure enough, it was him. People come from out of your past sometimes. It's the way life is. It's a big, huge mystery. And he came into the building, and it was actually like a pleasure to see him. He was talking about working in Idaho and working at a lodge there and stuff. And I just thought, wow, life goes by so fast. And Josiah came dashing into my office. He thinks he owns it. <laughs> he and Mercy. They just know everything in my drawers, and they know she knows if there's candy in there. And anyway, Josiah goes around the corner, and Mike says, No, wow, you've got to be kidding. Last time he saw him, he was about this high. It was a vapor. And now he's up to here and a junior high school student. I thought, life is a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. Why would I want to waste a second of my life on nonsense? Whatever you're going through, I will guarantee you there's a purpose. You didn't come here by your design today. You came here by God's design, just like I did. Last week, and I have so much in my notes, I don't even know if I'll get to what I want to get to this week, but last week we talked about three characteristics of, of spiritual infants. Please listen and don't be insulted, and I promise you, my message was written early in the week, and it has nothing to do with anything that has happened in the last few days. Otherwise, you'll be positive that I'm talking to you, and I'm, I am. <laughs> I always say that. You know this because I'm part comedian. You know this is a fact. If you think I'm talking about you, then I am. In other words, it's like the old cliche saying, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, toss it aside. It's not about you. Too many of us imagine things in our minds that are not even real. 
We picture things that simply are not real. And so my, my, my message this week is entitled Growing Up. Three characteristics. The first one was what? Infants don't listen. All you have to say is don't listen. Infants don't listen, okay? So, and Paul actually addressed the thing in 1 Corinthians. He said, brethren, I cannot speak to you as spiritual men and women. I cannot speak to you as people who are able to sift through things and figure it out with God's guidance. They just can't do it. They keep going over and over and over and milling over things in their mind all the time, rehashing something that God has in their life and they won't accept it. So listen to me here. When you don't listen, and I'm saying this to me too, then God is forced to send another thing into your life. And if you won't learn on the second thing which you're all concerned about, he will send something even more serious. Do I know this? I've been a pastor 42 years and I cannot believe how many people choose to solve their problems on their own and don't even ask for your advice. And when my wife and I do give them advice, they blow it off and think that we're being mean. We're not being mean. We're being loving. True friends tell you the truth. Oh, it's easy for people to say, oh yeah, but you got to understand, I've already been through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. I've had everything imaginary said about me, but I still made it. Because God doesn't send any trials into your life, but that which you are able to handle. Everyone that's in this room this morning is able, according to God's word, to handle whatever God sends to you. I promise you. You are, yes? When you agree out loud, the enemy hears that and says, then I'll send them more and see if they still say yes, right? So the mature Christian doesn't just dine on the word. They crave more depth with God. They crave a deeper understanding of how God operates through the word, through commentaries, through books, through being around Christians whose lives are changed. The wedding was this weekend, and Ed is the only other staff member outside of the four pastors that works full-time here. He's here all week. Seven days a week we're here. And so the wedding was really special, and the whole room was set up at tables, and it looked really awesome. They had this up here. And before the wedding ceremony started, I went to the sound booth to check things. And Ed's uncle, who's Hispanic, has been to our church many times. He's a believer. And he said to me, Pastor, i got to tell you some things before you start the ceremony here. I just want to commend you on the influence that you've had in Ed's life. He is not the same man. He used to call and have us come over for porn parties just to look at porn and did smoked weed on a regular basis and drank and talked dirty and everything else. And then one day, God, by design, God, by design, made him go to our youth ministry where Zach was the youth pastor. And God started to get a hold of him and a bunch of other young men. And guess what? Those other young men were at the church. And I whispered this to my wife. All of them appear to me to be living in the world and like the world, and Ed is a beaming, unashamed light for Jesus Christ. 
You stay the course. If I can stay, you can stay. When you threaten to leave us, it makes me extremely sad because I'm, a, I'm like a father to the people that I shepherd. I'm not the anointed one, which my for, former church I say, I'm the anointed one. No, I want anointing from God, but I'm just human, just like you. I hurt just like you hurt. I don't have it all figured out, but I do listen when people talk. I listen specifically when, when God is talking. We need to grow up. Metaphorically, every serious believer needs to be in the weight room of God's word in spiritual meditation, downing protein shakes and watching his carb intake. Yes. What's the protein? The protein is not just having little itty bitty baby devotions. It's consuming things about God, great people of God, and digesting it and living it and not being so mature that you're with every wind of doctrine and everything that goes wrong in your life, you're ready to quit. You can't quit. If you're God's child, you can't quit. It's not possible he will come after you. I have a question for you this morning. Do you intently listen and obey the word or are you occupied with your own thinking and way of doing things? If it's your own way, you'll be worried about it day and night and making everybody else crazy. If you're mature enough, You'll be trusting God that he has it all under control. Yes or no? For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. He's an infant. It is easy for me to know which people in the church are still infants. I don't say that insultingly. I say it because I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd. I watch. 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My, this is what I want to be through what I've learned, and I've been to hell and back in the last four years. But I'm still here. I still have a desire to serve God. I haven't given up yet. And I can assure you, I can I absolutely assure you this. God's not going to ask you to go through anything that he doesn't think will make you grow. It's made me grow. I appreciate my family more than ever. I have an amazing wife, and I love this church. I have amazing friends in this church, many who desire to encourage one another. But sometimes there's rebuking that's involved. So if we rebuke you, you should take it. Number two, infants rebel. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. They rebel. You tell them something, and they rebel. They get a choice. You either listen or God has to send something else. I already shared that to you. If you're not listening on the second thing, he will send a third thing, and it will be more devastating. How do I know? Because I know 42 years of experience has taught me how God operates. Walk in the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. 1 John 2.16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. All of those things are always working on us in one way or another. The lust of the flesh, which causes you to get in the flesh and get angry and throw your hands in the air. And, and the lust of the eyes involves you, you in things you shouldn't even be looking at or noticing. Fleshly infant eyes always see things incorrectly. You understand this? They always think there's a demon behind every bush and everybody's talking against them. That's Satan saying that. 
Don't listen to him. Do the exact opposite. What I have seen with Ed is, Ed stayed when many people ran. He wanted to do something for God. Just about a week and a half before the wedding, we almost backed out, me and several of the staff. Say, that begs a question from us. Because Ed knows the rules. When you break the rules, there's a payment. You know what I want to be? A man of grace. You broke the rules, you admitted it, you confessed it, and now you can go on. Do you understand that? Do you really? You understand that there are always consequences for our sin. And be assured of this, people. God always makes it get found out. One way or another, God makes it get... That's not a mean God. That's a loving God who says, I want to correct and adjust your position. They don't listen. They actually rebel. We're leaving. You're not doing what we asked you to do. We're leaving. That makes me cry. Because I've watched people who have not walked away from Rock Church. I've been in too many churches. I've watched people who don't get their way walk away and disaster follows. Disaster. Time and time again. Oh, my situation's different. No, it's not. It's not any different. Paul simply states this. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Sexual lust, covetousness, self-centeredness. The power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit parallels the degree to which believers allow the word of God to richly dwell in them. Do you believe that or not? A, A couple people got it. The rest of you are already snoozing. The power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit parallels the degree to which you allow the word of God to richly dwell in you. God will give you the wisdom to do the right thing if you are not following the flesh. If you are, you're in trouble. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell richly with you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Dakota was in the wedding. Stood up for Ed. Dakota has sold drugs, been involved in alcohol and drugs, and garbage forever. We had the bachelor party on Friday night a week ago this past Friday, and there we spent time just, I considered it spiritual time together around the campfire. I went up to get Ed to sign the marriage license before the wedding, and all the groomsmen were in the room with Ed. And I looked over at Dakota, and he was dressed really nice. His hair looked clean. It was combed back. He's got hair down to here. And, and he just looked different. There was a radiance about him. And I said, Dakota, when are you going to come over to the other side? Ed just looks at Dakota. It's so funny that he asked that. We were just talking about that. Dakota says, The last seven days since that bachelor party, I've lived the right life. I'm so much happier. I said, you need to cross over. Cross over to the God life because he accepted Christ. He does not has put any of that into effect. He's still an infant. He's still fleshly. He still follows the desires of the flesh. will say, stay home on Sunday. Don't go. It's going to be boring. And God would say, get up and go and change. 
He said to the guy by the pool of Bethesda, get up and change. People, you are hurting me. If you're hurting me as the shepherd of the flock, you need to understand something. Childishness needs to stop. You need to make things right with each other. Or you're never, ever going to be blessed by God because you know better. The flesh cries out. Throwing protein-rich food from the high chair is unacceptable. It's rank rebellion. You just throw things out of your life. I'm leaving. We're done with that. I just won't ever speak to him anymore. I don't have to do this. I'm finished with my marriage. Blah, 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 blah. My wife and I met with a couple this week. Mike, are you in here? Hmm. To put their marriage back together. They were supposed to both be here today, right, hon? We sat for hours. The spirit was working. We sat at Russell's and talking, and the spirit of God was working at power. But if you think for one second that when God's working, Satan is not coming after you, you're a fool. You will not even be able to identify that it's Satan that has you stirred up, not God. You won't even identify it. We had that marriage fixed, but that was like Wednesday or Thursday or whatever. In four or five days, the enemy gets into your life and says, don't do that. Just divorce each other. You'll never be happy. That is a lie. You have the wrong definition of happiness. If you walk in the flesh, you won't be happy. If you're a Christian, you need to stop whining and complaining and going from one problem to the next problem because you operate in the power of the flesh and you drag everyone around you into it and you're not even nice when you do it. You're mean and caustic and critical. Amy Carmichael penned this. Sometimes when we read the words of those who have been more than conquerors, we feel almost despondent. I feel that I shall never be like that. But they won through step by step by little bits of wills, little denials of self, little inward victories by faithfulness and, and very little things. They became what they are. No one sees these hidden steps. They only see the accomplishment but even so, those small steps were taken. There is no sudden triumph, no spiritual maturity. That is the work of the moment-by-moment -moment change, isn't it? People will look at Ed and say, wow, I'm just using Ed because he's not here. He's on his honeymoon. <laughs> Ed has changed so much. You haven't been on the journey for four years. Have I yelled at Ed, Nick? <laughs> Have I yelled at our Asian drummer? Now somebody's going to say I'm a racist. Have I yelled at that guy up there many times? He's played for us for like six or seven years. Where are you, Asian boy? Where? Oh, there you are. And you, guess what? He's an amazing drummer. 
because he didn't quit the first time he got yelled, mommy didn't come running to baby him. She doesn't go to our church, so she couldn't. <laughs> if she'd have been in a room when I was yelling at him, she would have probably said, stop it. It's just horrible. We can't even tell people what we think anymore because nobody's listening. Are you listening? Yes. Yes? yes. Some of you are already offended because the Bible says great peace, which they have that love thy law and nothing will offend them. You know why? Because they're mature enough to say, I guess my son needs to just grow. You don't get here without incremental changes all along the way. Little decisions. Don't look at that. Don't look at her. Turn the other way. Don't take that money. Don't get mad. Be quiet. Don't talk. Don't get in the car and slap the pastor down when you get in the car today and beat us into the ground. Take it. Listen. Or you're going, I make you a solid promise. You are going to wreck your kids. You rip me to pieces to them, you'll wreck them. They'll hate church, they won't want to be here. It's incremental changes that make you into a mature person. Now I stop before I share the last point once again from last week's message, because I added a bunch of things here that I want you to see. So you're looking for warning signs. Warning signs that you would be getting off the track. How do you know, sitting in the room this morning, that you might be getting off track in your spiritual walk? Number one, someone else is still making decisions for you. There are numerous people who live their life by default. They operate by default. They always have to have somebody telling them to stay on the track. You want to know why? Because mamas have babied their babies way too long instead of disciplining their babies. You understand that? Yes or no? When mama babies their babies, you better be careful because they will get off the track if someone's not running their life. At some point, our kids need to grow up, take responsibility. You have to live up to living life by your own choices. Each of us has a unique fire in our heart for something. Find it. Find it and build on it. If you've ever been to one of Josiah's baseball games, she's screaming, good job, Josiah! And he just struck out. (laughs) She's the loudest person out there. Yesterday was down to... Who's going to win the tournament, the championship of the, the best for the whole season? And so he had back-to-back baseball games. And I made it for a little bit of one of them because we work on Saturdays here. And Becky was there all the way through the end because we won the first one and it was a double elimination thing. And you would have thought Josiah was like the hero of the century. <laughs> Mama was so proud. That trophy was about this tall, you know, And the top of it somehow got dinged. There was a little tiny chip, and she was so concerned that we need to get some gold paint. (laughs) Nobody loves her kids like my wife does. And if you, honestly, and I I want you to know this, if you don't think that we have wept over our daughter not wanting to be at church and her husband now not wanting to be here, you don't understand at all. We have grieved and wept and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And we are not 
giving up. You don't give up. You don't throw in the towel. You just keep praying and God will surprise you and all of a sudden your kid will come somewhere where you didn't even expect them. God will do things that you couldn't imagine he could do or will do. Number two, you're, you're not doing daring things. Everything you do is safe. Everything. It's always just keep us safe. We want to do it. It's just neatly packaged little Dutch culture life. It's the model in Hudsonville. Whatever it is. <laughs> clean people, good people, clean people or whatever. And I'm like, huh? You mean they don't lust? You mean that the, the pregnancy rate prior to marriage is about as high as anywhere in the United States in Hudsonville? When I moved here about 25 years ago, the pastor who called me to, to come and work in the church said to me, I want you to know something about Hudsonville. It looks like the cleanest culture anywhere, but the guys are all sleeping with the little blonde girls before they're married. You understand this? It is true. All of us want to look good, but we don't want to really live right. We want to point fingers at people who don't do things that maybe we don't get caught up in that sin, but we got our own secret sin. You're not doing anything daring whatsoever. It's daring to have this church. Yet every week, people drive by and decide to come in here. And every week, people get saved. And every week, young people are changing. And every week, we unashamedly preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every week, more money comes in, and that thermometer goes up. And soon, we will have reached our goal of $80,000 because we got our permit last week. We dug the ground, and we're putting up the new addition on that building. And it's going to happen, and it's going to be paid for. It didn't just happen. It happened through increments, through praying, through trusting that God would provide this through this person and another thing through another person. And by the way, if you're not giving right now, I'm telling you, and, and people will say, well, this is just fear tactics. God is not good with that. If you have, you're supposed to give. That's how we do the work of the ministry. There's no telling how many miles you will have to run while chasing a dream. But this chase is what gives meaning to life. You're going to have to run to chase your dream. You'll have to keep on keeping on. And then I found a statement by Zig Ziglar this week that I thought was really powerful. He said, there is no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. Anybody that knows anything about getting in shape, and I'm not, so I'm not good at this, but anybody that knows anything about that means it's a consistent, habitual lifestyle. It's a habitual lifestyle to make choices not to eat this and to eat this because this isn't as good as this. I'm a bread freak. I'm Italian. Can't you just taste that nice piping garlic bread with that pasta? Like tons of pasta? No thought for tomorrow? Where pasta is going? Really? So many people choose the path of the least resistance. Well, everybody at school smoking, so I'll smoke. Huh? If your child is somewhere where you don't want them, it was incremental, and you might have missed something along the way that you should have seen. 
If your marriage is somewhere that you don't like right now, it's very possible that it's been an incremental change in the wrong direction that needs to be adjusted right now, today. Start. There's too much emphasis on finding a quick fix, make you feel better, instead of sticking with what God is trying to teach us. Because no amount of fairy dust replaces diligent, focused, hard work. No elevator to success. You start where you are, you use what you have, you do what you can, and you give it your all. Read it with me. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, give it your all. It's a dream. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, and give it everything you have. As long as I am the pastor of this church, we will do exactly that. We started with a garage with grease on the ceiling so bad that we had to spray forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And look what we sit in today. Number four, you see obstacles instead of opportunities. You're not a dreamer because everything is an obstacle. Oh, oh, the whole world is falling apart. No, I'm just going to give up and throw, throw in the towel right now because you're just building your life on emotion. Get off of Facebook. My gosh, it's depressing. Is it? It's depressing. You see obstacles instead of opportunities because you've incrementally become this kind of person. Over time, you have allowed negativism to take over. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You guys know this, that I believe that God is in this church, has been in this church from day one, and will continue to work in this church. Yes or no? Yes. You know there's a building out there that was full with tires to the ceiling. Those windows weren't there. Nasty garage doors. There were parts of semis parked in there we had to drag out. You couldn't even walk in the building. It had so much rusty, dirty garbage. But I see a vision, a finished vision paid for, and soon you will see it too. You can join in the dream or you can run. Run to what is what you have to ask. What am I running to? Matthew 17, 20 is what I just stated. You're looking at a mountain of opportunity. Number five, you're driving, but you're going nowhere. You're driving, but you're going nowhere. You're just driving in circles all the time. The same problems exist now that existed three months ago, and you thought you were over them. The same problems are reoccurring right now, and God is saying it's because you expect everyone else to change while you stay right where you're at. If you think I'm talking to you, I am. But are you listening? God put me in a position of having to share the truth that is going to help you get off the path that is leading nowhere. You're going in circles with everything in your life, and everybody that gets sucked into that circle doesn't know what to do. It's a vicious cycle repeating itself constantly. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll start to direct your path. Acknowledge that God's in it. God, you brought me this situation. Yes? yes. Is God sovereign? Yes. God is always in it to see what you're made out of. You brought it here. We are not going to run. We're going to deal with it maturely by sticking with the word 
Staying in prayer and believing that God is in it. Don't, don't confuse being busy with being productive, by the way. There's a difference in being busy and being productive. You learn real quickly which people you want to hire for your business. Because there's people that look like they're so busy and they're just moving around like a crazy person. You're thinking, you didn't do anything. Looks just like it did 10 minutes ago. And you want to say, what the heck have you been doing? But you know, they'll start crying. Huh? See, if you have a business, you understand what I'm talking about. You don't put people in charge of things that are just going in circles. They're not productive people. We are judged by what we finish, not by what we start. My wife used to always say that to me. I really wish she'd finish wallpapering the bedroom. Like, stop. You have a habit of starting things and not finishing them. I've changed a lot. Haven't I, hon? What? It was a real soft, you're great. <laughs> this sets its power, didn't it? You're great. You're great. You're great. Go, Gary. You're great! Scream it, hon. Oh, that's not how she talks when she's mad at Josiah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus, help us. <laughs> Isn't it funny how ladies all act to be like be lady light when everybody's around? And, and pastors all want to be real proper, and I'm like, that ain't me. It ain't me. What? <laughs> oh, family quarrel. <laughs> okay. Lexi's like, what are you laughing about, Nick? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Number six is you're not developing lifelong relationships. <sighs> that is so much work. It is, it's just crazy. It's so much work. Please let me say this about relationships. I hunger and thirst after good relationships. You really, really, really want to have good relationships with people. And finally, you peg some people that you want to have a good relationship with, and they don't want to be your friend. Or they're going to leave. And you just sit back and go, oh, taking my breath away. Mike should be here this morning. Yes. The only way his wife's coming back, I'm going to make you a solid promise. only way his wife is coming back to him is if he stays on the path that he got on a month ago when he got saved. See, everybody wants someone who's changed, who's sweet, not mean, who stays, who stays. I have pegged people who will stay with me for my whole life. Haven't you, hon? Name one. Yeah. Where's Karen? Karen Foote, it's way in the back. If I made her come down here right now, she'd pass out. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling the truth. She, my wife said it to me last night, I think. Karen has stayed with us no matter what. Didn't matter what anyone else was saying. She's been like a, a second mom to my daughters. Correct, Lexi? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes they'll hurt you, but they're faithful. See, a real friend is never afraid to tell you the truth about what you need to hear. 
They don't invite people into their issues to hear the truth. They invite people to tell them what they want to hear. Oh, that's going to make some people mad in here because you're right in the middle of it right now. You want everything with everyone to be rosy posy and it's not going to be a true friend hurts people. You get that? Do you remember what I shared in men's Bible study about true friends? Anybody in here remember? Certainly, Ryan, you should remember. You remember everything. What? Sharpens. Sticks. Stabs. Sharpens, sticks, and stabs. You want to know the person who really loves you in the room? I do. You may not think so, but I do. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Iron sharpens iron. You don't tell people what they want to hear. You don't leave and go discuss this morning, which some of you are going to do, even though you're sitting here listening to me. You're going to go discuss the morning and tell them that I was talking about you. That's just plain old straight up immaturity. Don't even listen to them. Stop talking. You come to me to talk about Pastor Nick and you haven't talked to him, I'm going to say, stop talking. Stop talking right now. You're not hurting the situation. You're making it worse. You say you want reconciliation. If you wanted reconciliation, you would do exactly what I'm telling you to do today. You'd get deep into the word. You'd be on your face praying all day long. I'm curious, how many people prayed on the way to church today? Raise your hand. You're kidding. Thank you, Jesus. Like 15, 20. We do every week. And guess what? My boy here is sitting in the back seat. Not our issues. He hears us praying to heal people, to bring healing to relationships. I don't think any of us in this room should do anything but make every effort to make every relationship right. Are you listening? If you are holding hard feelings towards somebody, you're not going to hear from God. Because the Bible says if you're having a problem with your brother who you see, then how possible is it that God, you can love God who you don't see? I know I'm hitting the nail on the head, but some of you are going to rebel. You're going to talk anyway. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. Number seven, the the friends you have are not pushing you in the right direction. I've watched this for so many years. They're egging it on. Well, he said this. You know he was talking about you. He did that. She did this. She did this, and I just, she needs to apologize. They need to apologize. We all need to apologize. Yes or no? Yes yes or no? There's not a person in this room who should not apologize 20 times if you have to. Apologize even when you think you're right. Apologize. It's not going to hurt anybody. I will guarantee you love does win. Rob Bell did have that much right. Nobody wants to be hated. Nobody wants to be... No one wants to be mistreated. No one wants to feel like they're the guy that's on the outside. Last night, I sat at my counter sobbing. I said, God, I can't take it anymore. I was ready to come in here this morning, sit on that white stool, and say, don't make a recording of this service, but I'm begging you, people, don't just run away. 
Make things right. Make things right with each other. That, that's the church. We are the church. We're the body of Christ. I don't, I don't hate anyone in this room. It's not possible. I care about you. I don't know what to do. You expect miracles out of us. We don't even know what to do. My wife and I, we just stand with our bodies in a position of, I don't know what to do. I've been doing this 42 years. 42 years, week after week after week after week after week, sending the same message. God is love. God is forgiveness. The gospel is grace. The gospel is mercy. Not getting something that you deserve is mercy. Grace is getting something I don't deserve. How about if we start dishing out grace to each other this morning? But some of us are so arrogant and think we're right that we can't do it. We're so arrogant. I'm right and I can't do it. It'll be compromising to do that. No, it won't. It won't be compromising. It'll be what Jesus did. Jesus was right. They were all wrong. Number, my number eight was, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Number nine is you're a drama queen. You're just a drama queen. It's like, how are you doing today? Oh, God, help us. Oh, my goodness. Do you, you have no idea today what happened. They burned my toast. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. This is honestly the way people are. If the grease spatters up, and it burns your hand, you're going to get blisters, deal with it. I guarantee you, it reminds me of something. Don't put a pan on the stove and put butter and olive oil together. You know, better makes everything better. It didn't, in this case, make things better. Put butter and olive oil together and forget that it's there on high. Then you go throw in the wet mushrooms or whatever. It ain't pretty. It hurts. I got a big Band-Aid there because Becky didn't want you to see that. I was afraid you'd think it was age spots. <laughs> There's a sting. There's a sting left from things, but it's okay. Who cares if we got hurt? This is what should be the case. If you hurt me, I choose to forgive you instantly because I love you. I'm your pastor. I genuinely love you. I care about what's best. I'm up here and I'm very blunt with you about things. And, and Jason, our guitar player, are you in here, Jason? What? He was. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Must not be important. Oh, he, he said it the first week he played for us. He said, you're like brutally blunt with the praise band. I've been directing praise band for 42 years. I have a degree in music. So does my wife. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I expect. I don't do it because I'm mean. I do it because I'm going to make some fine musicians out of your kids. I love your kids. I love all the kids in this church. I genuinely do. And by the way, 
I would take every... Zach is the most amazing youth pastor in this respect. Not this. Solid. He doesn't get all wound up and get mad. He just remains solid. And I watch, I see Callie sitting by the Shermans, a fine girl. I look behind her, I see the Duffies. My wife at the counter last night said, did you see the pictures of Sully? He really should be a model. He just, yeah. You say, how's this related to God? He's just got the class. He's standing there like... His mom's been taking pictures forever. <laughs> no, I'm not making that up. It's like, I looked at him, I'm like, oh my gosh. There's girl problems ahead. <laughs> They're already there. And then the two girls, I love the girls. I was talking to Duff at the wedding and the two girls were sitting there and I thought, oh God, you got problems ahead. <laughs> when your t- kids turn into teenagers, you are scared out of your mind. Now, please, people, liven up. Some of you are like, you're off track like usual. You've only used 14 verses. This is not doctrine. This is devil. Whatever. The last point from last week was infants display jealousy, and they always cause strife. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? Accordingly, immature believers cause division in the body of Christ. Why? Because in their infancy, it's still all about them. They're hurt. They didn't get what they expected. When the Bible actually says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me and Christ would want me to smile when the pastor tells a story. Some of you are like... It's not spiritual. Really, okay? Now I was going to give you the four signs of a mature Christian, and you ask yourself, am I these? Number one, they're disciplined and discerning. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. They are disciplined and discerning. They can tell when they're being set up by the enemy to fall. They can tell when the enemy is whispering in their ear and say, be angry instead of being better. Be bitter instead of better. Bitter instead of better. If you're bitter, the outcome will be your children will turn out bitter. Andrew Jackson's boyhood. Friends couldn't understand how he became a famous general and then the president of the United States. They knew that there were other guys that were far more qualified than he was. And one of Jackson's friends actually said to him, why isn't Jim Brown, who lived right down the pike from Jackson. Why is he not the president? He's way smarter, and he could throw Andy three times out of four in a wrestling match. Do they use the word throwing stuff in wrestling? They do, okay? Because I didn't know that. I thought throwing was just something you did with a ball, and I'm even not good at that. (laughs) But throwing a person in wrestling. This was a true story, and another friend responded, how, how did there happen to be a fourth time? Didn't they usually say three times and you're out when you throw somebody three times they're out? Sure, they were supposed to, but not Andy, Andrew Jackson. He could never admit that he was beat. He would never stay throwed. He would never stay throwed, and that's a quote. He would never actually stay throwed. 
Some of us like being throwed. My wife says, that's not correct English. It should be thrown. I know, but this is what he said. He didn't like being throwed. Do you like being throwed? Here's how you know if you like being throwed. You're always a drama queen. Ooh, this is this hurts. Ooh. Oh, Jesus, get us out of here. Jesus, take the wheel. You like being thrown. You the only way you get attention because you're not getting any from your husband or your wife is to be thrown. You're going to get a lot better attention if you knock it off. You really want your kids to leave your house and say, "My mom was a tyrant or my dad was just mean." Or do you want them to leave and say, "My mom and dad were really true discerning godly believers who are positive. Picking up that idea, someone has said, the thing that counts is not how many times you're throwed, but whether you're willing to stay throwed. Proverbs 24, 16, for a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked will fall into mischief. I have all kinds of verses, but I've got to skip over because it's time to stop. Number two, they're not just not discerning. They're not unity builders. They don't unify. They tear apart. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Until we attain to the unity of the faith when a sign of a mature Christian is always that they unify, they don't divide. They unify and don't divide. They bring situations together instead of encouraging them to be torn apart. Number three is they act like adults, not infants, to the measure of the status which belongs to the fullness of Christ. They act like adults. Paul uses the word mature or complete, teleos, in Colossians to explain the unending role and goal of the pastor teacher in the sanctifying process. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man mature. Number four and last, they're mature thinkers. They think maturely. But will this cost me? What's the real issue here? Should I say a word? Should I speak? Or should I be silent? Should I listen? Who should I go talk to? Should I go talk to my friends who are only going to tell me what I want to hear? Or should I go talk to somebody who's going to tell me the truth because they've experienced it firsthand? Yes or no? You want people surrounding you as your friends that only are like a parrot sitting on your shoulder? Or do you want people that will actually tell you the truth? Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. God wants us to listen, not rebel, and not be jealous, troublemakers. What's the sign of mature Christians? They're disciplined and discerning. They unify. They act like adults, not infants. They are mature thinkers. Now you have to ask yourself, am I? I'm just going to have a moment of silence for you to think. What is going on inside of you right this moment? I'll ask us a series of a few questions here and you just answer them to yourself. 
do I need to start listening to God through mature people that will actually tell me the truth based on the word of God and their experience with it. Number two, do I need to stop rebelling against God and make things right with God and someone else? Maybe my spouse, maybe my parents, my kids, or someone that you're friends with. Do I need to grow up and listen before it's too late? And God has to discipline me again in a second way or a third way or a fourth way. God is after you. It's not me. It's God. I just want to be the vessel for God to speak the truth into you so you can be free. I don't want to be mean. You are sitting in the room. You know you're a Christian. You've accepted what Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sins. And God is saying to you, it is time to get beyond some things that you need to mature in. Stop taking this is an offense all the time, or whatever it is that God is using. I need to take some small steps now to move in the correct direction. How many believe that God has spoken to you about something this morning? I'm not asking you to come up here, but God has spoken to you about something specifically. Raise your hand. Already, multiple. Half of the room. Half of the room. Yes. And guess, look up here. I love you. I don't have the answers for everything. I wish I did. I don't say this out of some martyr complex because people are going to say, if they hear this message, he's just trying to manipulate the people. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help myself and you grow beyond being infant believers to being able to deal with things the way God would want us to deal with them so that we can be at peace with ourselves. And when I looked at the number of people, probably half the room that raised their hand, I think we gotta just grow together, right? Yes. Grow together, love each other, grow together. And I, I think a part of that will be being in the word more, praying more and believing more that God has things figured out. It's not your timing, it's his, correct? If you're not a Christian this morning, you've never accepted Christ, you've got to start there. And we'd encourage you to come and talk to me or Nick or my wife or anyone in the room that could show you how. And the other part of it is I pray that if you have ought with somebody, you'll make it right. Don't consider yourself the person that's right so you don't need to do it. You need to do it, period. Please do it. It'll help.